So Lucas, how's your day been? Because I've got people with swastika avatars on Twitter telling me now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just thought, you know, I'd had a... You thought you had a rough day, mate. I, I thought I, we've been having awkward times doing puppy training, but yeah, like, I don't think it quite compares. Uh, you know your day is going to get off to an interesting start when you've got people with literal swastika avatars um, uh, telling you to go fuck yourself. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, because um, it was recently brought to my attention, we can get straight into it, that um, there is a strange overlap. I wouldn't think there's like much overlap between our content, between my content and that of one Count Dankula, a person you are unfamiliar with, correct? Uh, yeah, I'd literally not heard about him until like just before we started recording. You mentioned like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, getting this, this uh, guy's he... been linked to me, but it's like, oh yeah, okay, I do not know what this guy is or whatever. Yeah, he was a fan on Twitter. Has said, uh, Joe, you got that thing on YouTube of viewers of like whatever channel also view this. Yeah, like I often get a lot of like, oh, people who watched um, Fat Fiend watch Jim Sterling. Yeah, and the which is a. Uh, comparison i don't mind jim Sterling's a good guy he is yeah uh, but the one that i was a bit confused by is like um count dankula because for anyone who doesn't know um because the people who do know him are screaming at me in my uh, mentions um with swastika avatars literally with swastika avatars so i don't care um is a knobhead and he's the guy, uh, the nazi pug salute guy who taught his pug to salute or throw up a paw so doing a um, uh, a facsimile of the Nazi salute when he said either Sieg Heil or... Wait, he trained um, his dog to do that? He trained his dog to do that. As a joke. It's a joke, Lucas. What the fuck? Yeah, it's a joke. Would you not want to train your dog to um, throw up its paw um, when you said Sieg Heil? Or, and this is the other one, the other phrase, the other key phrase he taught his dog to respond to, gas the Jews. Fucking hell. So, Lucas, um, a sterling example of um, humanity um, we have there. And then uh, that became a huge case over in the UK a few years ago um, because he argued that it is within his rights to do that because it's a joke and it's freedom of speech. And a couple of high-profile comedians got on board, I think like Ricky Gervais, a couple of other comedians, um, funded his case because he said it's a dangerous precedent for free speech if people can't make jokes. And I'd argue that that's not a joke. It's just being a dick. But... Yeah, um, there's a big difference to me between, like, stifling somebody's free speech and telling somebody that, like, a pug doing a Nazi salute is not a joke. Yeah, and I believe that the original court case was for... It's because he produced hateful content. Um, because over in the UK and in some parts of Europe... And there are specific rules about specifically throwing out Nazi salutes. Right, you know, okay. Because of the history we have. With yeah, that Nazi would make Germany. sense, yeah. For example, in Germany, if you throw up a Nazi salute, it's actually a crime. You can be arrested, you can be sent to prison for doing that. And Fair over enough. here, you can't, that doesn't happen over here, but there are like similar rules in the book of like, you know, just glorifying hateful content or just generally creating a, um, an unwelcoming atmosphere. Oh, which man, I'd I was going to say, if, like, if that was a crime. And they should have been uh, in London at those fucking protests like a month yeah. ago. People throwing, and then they, uh, oh no, it's the Roman salute. Oh, fuck off. This is the argument they always use. But anyway, uh, it's fun fact as well, the Roman salute um, is what the Nazis called it, and they introduced it during the um, Olympic Games that they hosted. Anyway, All right. um, that's besides the point. And then it quickly came out that 
it wasn't so much an issue of free speech. This guy is just a prick. And he's leaned into it and he hides behind um, the veil of being a comedian to say offensive things. Yeah. But it's one of those like cases where you can tell either you believe this or... And I'm not sure. It's like I don't know what's sadder that he believes it or that he doesn't, but he says it because it's the only way to get attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. numerous things have come out over the years of like he ran a Discord where he was in it, just using the N word willy nilly, sharing racist memes. Uh, he joined UKIP, um, the famously horribly racist um, British, like essentially nationalist party. No, no, Carl. Like they're not racist. They just don't like anyone that's not British, right? Yeah. That's not racist. And British, you know, it means white when they say it. Yeah, exactly. And just generally not a pleasant person. Uh, so I thought it'd make, you know, just clear the air, like settle things uh, okay, with my okay. family. I'm not really a big fan of the idea that I have an intersecting fan base with someone like that. Yeah, fair enough. And like, I, again, I don't really know who the guy is, but stuff like that does not sound like a good start. No, right. when the only thing people know about you is that you argued in court for your right to be, to say, see Kyle and throw up Nazi salutes. Maybe that's not uh, a person you want to be um, associated with. And I'd hope from all the content I've produced and the things we've said on this very podcast, people know I feel very strongly about, uh, you know, not doing stuff like that. Yeah. I'd hope that people always feel welcome to approach me and talk to me and that I am accepting of you know, all beliefs mm-hmm. with, the, yeah, with yeah. the apparent exception of being racist. Yeah, it's uh, that which... thing that we talked about a little while ago where it's like uh, someone came out against John Boyega and it's like, isn't um, hating all racists just like being a racist? And it's like, it's like no, no, no. Because you have a choice to be racist. I don't have a choice to be black. Yeah. And uh, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But this was resulted in um, his fans who were all very nice people bombarding me all day because I sent this message out in the morning thinking nothing more of it and all day I've been getting direct messages from people with literal swastika avatars um, telling me to go and fuck myself or sending me pictures of their own excrement oh fucking hell that's that's fab yeah and the one that got me because this happened just before I opened up um, this guard to talk to you is a fan of mine has just taken a, a highlight of a response I got of, you live in Sheffield, literally ask any white person here to say the N-word, and they'll say it. LMFAO, stop being a pussy. So I am now being criticised for being too sensitive about racism. And I think nothing sums up the entire experience of the last couple hours for me, is that I am legitimately having people criticise me for not being or hanging out with racists. Yeah, so apparently you just need to suck it up. Stop being a pussy and just be racist. Do you know what my favourite part about this is? I can just say it's a joke. Yeah. Yeah, what about, like, whatever happened to freedom of speech, Lucas? These are the same people who are screaming about someone's right to say and um, um, use and invoke iconography of the most hateful... Um, regime in all of human history mm-hmm. for a joke and yet they get mad when I say don't watch my videos wow it's almost like um, they're hypocrites and they don't actually believe anything they say and they just want to stifle um, other people's speech nothing yeah. says I believe in free speech like telling people to shut the fuck up with a Nazi avatar 
Yeah, uh, it's, when it's they ask a you, very weird to... thing, isn't it? And my favourite bit about this is um, it was partly inspired by um, I did a look at the channel's analytics. Okay. Because uh, the the channel Fact Fiend, um, we've had a pandemic. Yes. Obviously, unless you're in New Zealand, in which case you you did have a pandemic, and then you fixed it, and no yeah. one else seems to be able to figure out how you did that. Uh, because Carl, they had like an immediate lockdown when they had four cases, and they had competent leadership. And I they did have competent, like. and like not just competent leadership, they had leadership that did what they were going to fucking say, like said and did what they intended to do, and oh, stuck man. to it rather I than fucking backpedaling constantly. I kind of wish we had that um, uh, mayor running our country from Italy. Do you remember? Do you remember him from the start of the lockdown? Is he the one that walked around town telling everyone to get the fuck back in the house? Yeah, and he was releasing like live streams telling him, the fuck are you walking around without a mask on? Yeah. Um, what COVID will do to you, you won't, you'll be wearing a mask. Like, if you don't wear a mask now, you'll be wearing one in your coffin because no one will want to see what it does to your face. Oh, God. I love that. I saw like one video where he's just walking down like uh, the beach or something and people playing like ping pong. He's telling and him to go back home. He's like, go back inside right now. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I am the mayor. Get back inside your fucking house. It's like, I'm trying to save your fucking life, you idiot. Anyway, um, I was like, I'm curious because um, you know, you will know this like Lucas. Um, I get a lot of angry messages. Believe, believe it, folks. Not just from people in Nazi avatars, though. Uh, I've but never heard people... of this, Carl. You getting angry messages. I know, but from people as well who are obsessed with the idea that the channel is dying and at yeah. least once a week i will get um feedback through one of the avenues i'm able to be contacted um from someone saying uh, something along the lines of i used to like your channel but now it's shit and, and there's also that um reddit page dedicated to like hating on fat fiend as well yes it's just constantly like oh they've ruined the channel that only ever gets like one or two responses to everything (laughs) from the same four people and that's supposedly representative of the entire fan base but sure i was curious about this and i'm like well lockdown's ending now and i looked at the analytics and noticed that the earnings um, that the channel makes have gone up because if people i can bring back the curtain on this um, earnings worldwide i'm gonna guess for everyone on youtube is that they're very very tippy top upper echelons who don't have to even worry um we're down um, just because there's a lockdown, there's a pandemic, no one's got any money to spend on products, no one's spending any money on advertising. Yeah, so that was the thing is, if anyone doesn't know, like the way that ads work on YouTube is like, basically the price gets set for an ad depending on like current circumstances. So yeah, because of lockdown, the prices of adverts went down because no one was spending money, so no one was advertising. And yeah, it was all a big thing. But. And there are a number of factors that inc- can influence that. And some videos will be deemed more valuable than others. Yep. Uh, for example, if you uh, a lot of videos we've done about Marvel um, tend to get, is it PPM, the term they use? Uh, CPM. CPM. They get a high version of that, which is, is that cost per whatever? Do you know the exact... I do not know what the... Um, Let's just double check what that means so we sound like we know what we're talking about, eh? Yeah, CPM. like I'm literally just Googling it now. Um, oh, cost per thousand. There we go. Oh, yeah, because M for like mil, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's a cost per thousand on your ads. And um, the higher that is, the more money you will earn. And overall, that has dropped um, globally, I would assume. But for our channel, it resulted in us losing about uh, like 50 to 60% of our monthly income which um, was a was a tough hit but i'm one really tight and two um 
paranoid about yeah, the future. Yeah, it's almost as if you didn't have the channel just living on fucking thin ice. Yes, and the moment the channel took off, I immediately took steps to protect it um, for something, maybe not as extreme as a pandemic, but for a downturn, which is what we've experienced. So we've weathered it without really suffering any ill effects. Yeah, like, as you mentioned, there was a couple of months where earnings were down, but, but that was due to the pandemic, not because of, like, any um, analytics. Like, yeah. all of the, the figures were going up, but just generally because advertisements were, like, less expensive. Everybody on YouTube was earning less money, as you said, probably globally. But the strange thing about it is, even though we were earning less money, the actual channel itself um, earned more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of viewership and what we had more videos and content that could be monetized during that time uh, so i took a quick look at all the stats and um by every metric that matters um we are doing better than we did last year yeah and with the sole exception of there are a couple of little points on the graph and um, i shared that were of interest to a couple of people and i'll bring them up in front of me now and one is um, our subscribers and the way yeah. youtube works that is just how many subscribers you get in a given day and literally since the inception of the channel, um, it has always been above zero, which mm-hmm. means there are always more people. Subscri- since the inception of the channel, there have always been more people subscribing on any given day than have been unsubscribing. And there are several notable exceptions to this. Um, a couple are when we announced on Twitter that comments were being turned off and people um, in protest, I suppose, unsubscribed from the channel. Yeah. And the operative word there is when I announced it. Because when we turned them off, we didn't actually get any downturn. It's only when I announced it a week later, um, to like the 20,000 or so people I have following me on there, that I'm guessing a couple hundred people went and unsubscribed, which is enough to result in. And I'm going to send you, Lucas, um, a picture right now. Uh, This is one such dip um, that I experienced. And I want you to just describe it to me. It's on the graph. And I'll send you the main, and I'll send you the graph where it came from. Did you have it? Where are you sending this to? On um, uh, Facebook. Oh, right. Okay, I'll get that up. Uh, I was looking at Discord then, because uh, that's what we use to have a phone. Like it is, yeah. But this we is don't just on actually phone. record Discord like most people do. No, 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 we 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 um, stitch this together after the fact. So you got we do, yeah. You got a graph in front of you, Lucas, and then you have a small section from that graph, and you just like to describe them for the folks at home. Yeah, so the first one is just like the zoomed-in screenshot, and it is what I presume is just one singular day where the bar spikes a little bit below the zero. like the zero point of subscribers every day. Yeah, that is highlighting a single day on which we lost more subscribers than we gained. Because on any given day, you may lose, for example, 300, but you may gain 500. So it's um, on the YouTube um, graph you'll always have a positive figure yeah and there's like one other day that looks like it got quite close to zero which is probably something else that we did to piss people off yeah um and yeah other than that you are i most part well above zero per day yeah and we just like to describe the size of that dip lucas in comparison to the rest of the graph um i would say the amount of subscribers lost on that day is probably the same as like the lowest amount on the graph of like a day where you gain subscribers so i'd probably say like 
maybe you lost, say, 20. I don't know what the actual number was, but... Overall, yeah. Maybe you lost 20 subscribers on that specific day, but the least you've ever gained in a day looks like about 20 as well. Yeah. And that is like for the last year, and there's um, other spikes, and there are various factors that can influence that. But the reason I find that so amusing is because it was pointed out to me by a fan, uh, because I was I was curious about that as well, and I couldn't think what happened around that time. Um, mm. That was around the time George uh, George Floyd was murdered in America, and it's when I put out the statement, or if you remember Lucas on YouTube, I do yes, saying we at the channel support the message of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. If you do not, you can go and fuck yourself. Yeah. And that is the result. A net loss of over 30 people. Yep. Yep. And just, I'm just going to let that information sit because those, there's probably a couple hundred people unsubscribed with all that, but I'm guessing that was like when it averages out with the people who subscribed, um, in any given day due to the content, it equaled like this tiny, pathetic, almost anomalous drop that is inconsequential to the um, the function of a channel as a whole. Yeah. And the reason this is so amusing to me is because a, a fan uh, described it to me as they're like bugs on the windshield thinking they can steer the car. <laughs> and if like, on a graph, you see it and it is barely noticeable. I had to zoom in further than the graph would even let me to even highlight how small of a drop it was. And yet these are the people who think that um, they're going to tank the channel and by unsubscribing. Fact, um, I've just had a little look, because I remember, I was like, I've only got like, um, a few thousand subscribers. I think I've got like 7,000 subscribers on my channel. Uh, and I just looked, I was like, there's one day where I had minus one subscribers. Oh, was that the same day? And it was 11th of June. So it was around the exact same time. Oh, that, that might have been it. Yeah, it was almost the exact same time as what it looks like the dip happened. Because I believe everyone on the channel retweeted my statement. Just yeah, we that, all, yeah, we all agreed like to. agreed and doubled down on, on what you'd said, yeah. So it's almost to the same day where you lost subscribers. It's the only day I've ever come out under. And you lost one. I lost one subscriber. Yeah, overall that day. We could bring that back to the thing we talked about right at the beginning because before we started recording, I was just scrolling through the literally hundreds of responses I got to that tweet. Mm -hmm. And every other one is just, you're a fucking prick, you're a fucking prick. But one that stuck out to me is a guy saying, I can't wait to see your subscriber count dip. <laughs> uh, this is a person responding to a hundred comment Twitter thread. And I have 600,000 subscribers. And like, and as I've, we've just discussed, even when you get, you put out a apparently controversial statement publicly on the channel, the most it results in is like a total of 30 people leaving. Yeah. And have you ever seen The Simpsons? I, I've, I've, yeah, I've seen The Simpsons before, yeah, I've heard do of I, it. Do you know the Flaming Moe's episode? Yes, yeah. Where Homer's like, I made the Flaming Moe and Moe takes credit for it. Yeah. That moment where he's like screaming over the counter to Mo as he is being like people are thrusting money into his hand. It's like, well, <laughs> I hope you're happy. You just lost a customer. It's like, I'm sorry, Homer, I can't hear you. There's too much money being put in my hands. Yeah. What are you trying to tell me? It's like, you just lost a customer. It's like, I'm really sorry. Can you let me know at a later date? I'm too busy being successful. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, I do want to embark on a 10 year study 
of people like this to see like how their mind works. Oh my god. And the amount of power they see like they seem to think that they wield over other people's lives. Yeah. Uh, it's just quite astounding, but that's a that was the interesting start to my day, and I just don't think anything sums up like um, that guy or like is just his fan base more than people with literal Nazi para- like iconography in their avatar telling me that they're going to unsubscribe. Because yeah. I, I, because and I quote, I, I'm not a proper quote, but I am not an N-word. The thing is, like, it says a lot for me at least, who doesn't know about this guy. Like, just learning about him, his fan base doesn't exactly sound great when these other people coming out of the woodwork to defend him. Yeah, and I just sent you the the tweet, Lucas. So you just like, you don't have to read it out, but just via the the medium of your voice. Just maybe with a, a just a grunt or a sigh, just give your opinions on that. Uh... <laughs> it's just it's like you said. If these are the people who come out to defend you, it, it speaks to the kind of fan base that you cultivate. You know, at least the one that um, you don't mind like um, running defense for your the actions. The longer I look at it, the worse it gets. Yeah, because the, the at first you just see how racist it is, then you see the. Um, the Star of David, and you're like, what? And then you see the fucking swastika inside of it. And then you read his name, and it's like... Oh, God, I didn't check his name. What's his name? Uh, Swastar Syndicate member. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. What, what, what a great person. So this guy publicly calls himself that, and it's like, yeah, these are the people coming out and defending you. Oh, yeah, it's great. Well, that was my day. How's yours been? Uh... Alright. There's <laughs> not really much you can say. I can't, I can't follow that up, Carl. I'm not gonna I, I win when it comes down to these shit mornings. Like, uh, I don't know. I got like a nice clean 100,000 gamer score yesterday, which was. Oh, did you manage to pull that off? I did. I had to go back to Arkham Knight oh, and okay. pull off a achievement of like doing some fucking missions in a Batmobile. So explain to people um, what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, well, like, Xbox achievements, you have your gamer score, and, like, each achievement gives you a number, depending on how difficult the achievement is supposedly, yeah, like, the supposed famous, to be to get. Famously bad ones. Um, there are some awful ones. But, yeah, um, this is just something I I don't really care about gamer score, but I play a lot of games, as you might tell. Mm-hmm. I don't You're seek awesome. achievements out very often unless I'm really into a game and want to complete it. Isn't it um, every game has a thousand in total? So every game has a thousand in total, but like um, if you get extra DLC for a game, like the add-on content for Batman Arkham Knight makes it 2,000 gamers score. Okay, so there's like, depend for the most part, it's every game has a thousand. So for the, perfectly... for the general rule of thumb, yeah, there are massive like outliers in things like Master Chief Collection that's like 10,000, but I haven't even got that many on that. Because it's like 10 games in one. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, the general idea is that um, when you get a 1,000 gamer score, you've completed, for lack of a better term, the game. That is the idea, similar to how PlayStation has like the Platinum Trophies. Which is uh, awarded when you do everything it is possible to do in a video game. Yeah. Um, I, to earn the trophies, and the trophies like, they're like little challenges, and the, as we mentioned, they can be um, a little... Um, broken or just not um, and they don't anticipate um, how the game is going to be played um, 
My favourite yeah. example being, I believe it was Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter oh, okay. 1 or 2. One of the achievements for that is get to the top of the multiplayer leaderboards. Oh my god. Uh, so it is an achievement because there's only a select few people can do that, but after the game has like, come out and died, that game, you can still buy it, you can still play it, mm. you will never get that achievement. Yeah. It is literally I, impossible um, to get that I achievement. Did, I had a similar thing with Resident Evil 5. And I did every single achievement in the game, apart from the versus mode. Um, and then when I eventually came back to the game, I was like, you know what, let's try and get those versus achievements because it bugs me that I did everything else in the entire game. Except for this. And no one's playing online, so I can't go get them. It is physically impossible to get those achievements. And yeah. the one that I like, though, is, um, I believe it was one of the Dead or Alive games, maybe number four, um, where it was an achievement that was worth zero gamer score. So you didn't need it to perfect the game. Oh, okay. But if you lost five games in a row online, you'd get an achievement that said you suck. <laughs> that gave you one, uh, gave you zero gamer score. And I know people who, like, they play games a lot and they give a shit about achievements. Mm-hmm. They, like, unin- they try to uninstall the game to figure out a way to get this off their uh, account. Oh no! <laughs> and, they, and obviously, you can never get rid of it because it's tied to your account permanently. Yeah, so you can hide a game if you've never got an achievement on it. Mm-hmm. But, but if, if you have got the one achievement, achievement, then yeah, you have that um, permanent mark of shame on your account. And I know a couple of people who give a huge, huge shit about achievements to the point where, um, when I got my new Xbox and I just got a new account, yeah. I was like, I don't give a shit. My old account had like a really edgelord name because I just Xbox generated it for me. I went, oh, I want to yeah. name... I remember your old game. <laughs> which I'm not going to say because I won't, it, was I won't, I won't. it was linked to my mum's email address because it, I was 15 when I got Xbox for the first time. Yeah. I saved up for two years to buy one. And my mum, I had to use her email address because she needs to be over 18. So it's still linked to my mum's email address. And I was like, <laughs> I want one that I don't have to rely on my mum remembering her password if I want to buy a game. Yeah. And a friend legitimately was like amazed that I was so nonchalant about it because he couldn't fathom getting rid of his achievement score. <laughs> like he said, like, "Oh, so you're going to replay all the games to get your achievements back?" Like, Man, I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's a completely arbitrary number that's next to my name. It doesn't really tell you how much of a game you've played. It's like I played 300 hours of Halo. I don't have all the achievements for it because I've not done insert random thing the game developer wanted me to. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think I fall somewhere in the middle of like, I care enough that I'd probably be a bit upset if I had to part ways with my account, but more because every now and then I like to look back on achievements and go like, oh, like kind of reminisce about playing games and stuff like that and having my like entire gaming history on one profile. Ah, it's not so much about the score itself. It's more about like having the history of what I have played. Um, so, um, I'm not really too fussed about that element of it, but yeah. I do agree with um, the people who say you should never be allowed to put an achievement that's not worth a multiple of five. Yeah. Because um, I, I'm not OCD in that sense. Uh, I've, I've, I've got, I know people who they, I, you, your light switches have to be a certain way when they leave the room. Oh, yeah. And course, their yeah. TV has to be set to an even number or a multiple of five. I'm not that bad, but when you've got just like 23,386 gamer score, yeah. it looks just so messy compared to a five or a zero. 
it does, and I normally try to, if I'm playing a game and I see, like, oh, an achievement's worth, like, two points to balance it out back to, like, a zero, I'm like, yeah, I'll go get that then. <laughs> You'll aim for that achievement to do it. And um, I'm reminded a little bit of a person I could not believe existed, but I'm, I'm inclined to believe the person who told me about them because it's my girlfriend, and I don't hmm. want to call her a liar. But <laughs> she knows a person who... Um, it's a couple, and they share a PlayStation. Mm. And the boyfriend is one of those people I feel so bad for because he's not allowed to play on his own account because his girlfriend wants him to get all the achievements and the trophies on her account. Right, okay. okay. But if the boyfriend can't get the platinum trophy, she won't let him play the game. Oh, no. Because if he doesn't get a platinum trophy, it makes her account look bad. No. Because she gives that much of a shit about this thing where, oh, if I don't get a platinum trophy, it, it doesn't match. It means I've not got it. So if you want to play this game, you have to make sure you play it back to front and complete everything. Can he not at least make a profile to play the games that he's not going to complete? No, because then he's not earning trophies on her account. Oh my God, that's so bad. That's what, you know, I know, and I, I did not want to believe that couple existed, but I thought, I, I'm inclined to believe my girlfriend about this. I just think, oh. Yeah, it's one of those of like, why would your girlfriend make that all? And it's like you because as well, it sounds so depressing, it has to be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you have to believe You have to believe there's people out there like that, and you're like, uh Yeah, and I definitely do not take it that far. I do enjoy completing games, but only specifically games that I am really into and want to try and get more out of, like for example, Spider Man on PS4. Yes. Like that was a fun game to complete. There wasn't any bullshit in it. And it yeah, just and gave me an excuse to stay in that world. And you got an incentive to go, oh, I'll go try doing this now. And like, I think the only achievement where I've ever been like, I want to get this, mm. there's two. And they're both from first-person shooters. And the first is obviously My completing Halo. Halo 3, okay, final level on Legendary as a four-person co-op group and escaping all on Ghosts. <laughs> because it's an achievement to... And that, because that, what, it is an achievement to do that. That and is, yeah, that's a huge so fun. Because like, I have tried and failed multiple times to get this achievement. I had it on my old account, yeah, which I, and it's the only achievement I'm pissed off I don't have tied to my new account. Because <laughs> every time I've ever tried to do it with my friends, uh, because we don't play Xbox all the time, and we especially don't play Halo all the time, our skills are just so rusty. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, Carl. If we can find two more people, I will endeavour to get that trophy back, or I, I, back with you. I, I've tried so many times, and every single time we'll get to the last bit, and someone will drive off the edge. <laughs> and just repeat that for three hours until we get pissed off and go out. Yeah. And it's just like, oh! And then the other one is, um, again, for a first-person shooting, it is the Mile High Club achievement from Modern Warfare. Yeah, because that's what I thought you were about to say a minute ago. Yeah, it's both them. So, Lucas, describe the Mile High Club to people. Uh, so, Mile High Club was... Um, I can't remember the name of the mission, but there's it's a Mile, mission... The mission is called Mile High Club. Oh, is it? Okay, well, yeah. in um, Modern Warfare, like Call of Duty 4, um, there was the Mile High Club mission, and there was an achievement for completing that on the hardest difficulty within, I believe, 60 seconds? 60 seconds, which can be done, and it's a completely optional bonus mission. It is, At the yeah. end of the game... That has no impact on gameplay. You get no reward for completing it. It is literally beyond. just like a challenge mission at the end. You just get this achievement that says you did it in less than 60 seconds. And it is punishingly brutal. I have 
I never experienced elation like I did when I completed that mission. It's got to be up there in one of my gaming memories, yeah. Of just, I spent the entire evening trying to do it. And again, it's on my old account, so it's not tied to my new account. Yeah. So I had both of these achievements. It is, you are being continuously shot at by infinite terrorists, and your mission is go through a plane... Mm-hmm. Get to the end and then shoot someone who has a hostage and do it all in 60 seconds while it is effectively one shot death. You get hit by one bullet, you're dead. Basically, yeah. While fighting an entire plane full of terrorists. And the only real way to do it is to throw flashbangs in hyper-specific parts of the game. You have four of them in total. And just sprint while aiming at the floor. Yeah, because it was basically, like, I had to do it by looking up a YouTube video of, like, I here's where you that. throw a flashbang, run, hide I, in this yeah. spot, throw a flashbang here, run. I did not have the YouTube video, so I had to do it legit, but I, a friend told me use flashbangs, and he helped me, coach me through it, told me how he did it. Yeah. And it gets to the point where, oh, yeah, don't reload, because reloading takes too long. Pick up guns off the floor, and yeah. if you pick up a gun and it doesn't have enough bullets in it, you basically lose. And it's oh, it's super grueling, even with a YouTube walkthrough video. Like it's still just you've got to pull off every single action specifically, like almost perfectly every time. And every now and again, I'll go and watch that YouTube video of the guy doing it, getting to the end, celebrating because he got to the end before sixty seconds, and then missing the target. Joe, oh. you know the, you know the very final guy after headshot. Yeah, he tries to celebrate by like spinning around when it's in slow motion, but he runs out of time and the hostage gets shot and he has to do it again. Oh, no. I mean, that's like, what you get. For... That's what you get for showing off, yeah. And it's uh, just one of those things. That I think it's perfect um, to like highlight why achievements can be good mm. because the actual challenge itself, ostensibly, is not that difficult. Yeah, sure. And I think it contrasts quite nicely to the Halo one, where that takes upwards of an hour and a half to do properly. Mm -hmm. Even if you just sit down and you do it flawlessly from start to finish, it still takes over an hour, because the final mission is so long. It is a really long mission, yeah. That mission, by the very definition of the achievement, it's 60 seconds. Yeah. So it's that, um, uh, like, it's one more, is Mm -hmm. what I always say. Don't when you're playing a game and you fuck up and you go, one more. Yeah, it really has that feeling. It's the perfect length to just like, Joe, you know, like swapping controls between mates mm-hmm. and you just go one more and your mates, oh, it's my turn. No, one more. I almost had it. And then yeah, you fail oh, so even close. harder. And then it's like, no, now I get two turns. And then your mate has his two turns. You're like, oh, I was closer. So let me have another one. And it's like, no, I get three turns next. It's like, oh, it's so good. You know what that was? That was um, me and my friend doing um, platinum relic runs on Crash Bandicoot games. Oh God. Yeah. When you yeah, got like the turbo awesome. run. Yeah. It's oh God. Those I was just like, oh, good. one more. I was so close. Like, give me one more. And that phrase, one more, will be in my head forever. Just like, that's, it's it's synonymous with gaming to me. Like, oh, one more. And that's why I stayed up till like two in the morning trying to do that and eventually did it with my mate. And we just like immediately just collapsed and went to sleep. <laughs> so we were meant to be going out. And we was like, mate, we're not going out. We're finishing this fucking mission. <laughs> I'm getting this achievement whether you want to or not. Like, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Uh, but we could bring that into, did you, uh, we, we talked briefly, didn't we, about, um, the Call of Duty news in the Call of Duty playthrough? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so which, uh, yeah, so from Saturday on my yeah. YouTube channel, we are starting Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered. Yes, which is a free download, wasn't it? Something like that. It was a PlayStation Plus game for the month of August. So 
You've just missed out on it if you're listening to this podcast. Oh, got it. Got it for those people. But I just wanted to just once again just have a quick discussion about just that amazing thing that Call of Duty is doing. Where the new game, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, uh, had a brief snippet of Tianman Square in there. Mm-hmm. And then China said, take that out. So Call of Duty have removed Tianman Square from the from the trailer and then released a, a, what the, the tagline for the game is, remember history. And it's just... Yeah, they buckled it, under the pressure of China and like all of the money from Chinese gamers and gone, okay, we'll remove history from our trailer with a tagline, tag, remember history. The tagline is remember history as they are literally erasing a part of history from their game to appease <laughs> an oppressive, brutalizing... A government that brutalizes its own people. Oh. It's like you can, I, if I wrote something like that, for a story or a film, you'd tell me it was too on the nose. Well, that's um, that's one of those satire pieces from like the Onion or the Hard Drive or whatever. Like that's literally one of those um satire headlines. Yeah, I can see the Hard Drive, which is a gaming equivalent of the Onion, the satire yeah. paper, writing that off. Um, Call of Duty removes reference to Tiananmen Square in video game about remembering history yeah. uh, to appease Chinese censors. Like, that sounds so fucking made up and it's a thing that's happening in our reality right now. Welcome to 2020, folks. I, oh, God. I, I saw a meme the other day that actually made me uncomfortable oh, because God, I man. thought, what about if it actually happens? And it's, uh, do you know that one of uh, the black guy reacting to something? And he's like, he's smiling and then, like, the next shot is something bad, and he, like, frowns, like, oh, that one? Have you, have you seen that one? Um, I'm not sure which one you mean. Is it the Drake meme? It's not the Drake one, no. Um, so, no, that's him of, like, nah, and then, yeah. I'll, f- I'll find it now. But I'm not sure which one you mean. There's a lot of memes out there, Carl. Yeah, that's the one. And I don't know which, I don't know specifically. Oh, I've got it, yeah, yeah, here we go. This one, I'll uh, copy an image. I'll send this one to the Discord for you. Yeah, cool. So in the conversation with you. So just, so so we're all on the same page here. Ah, yeah. That yeah, one, yeah. where it's uh, like, I think a reaction video of like some black dude and he's smiling in the first image and then he's like going, oh shit, no. Yeah, God, like what's going on? in the image below. Like, oh no. Oh God. And I think it's, it's taken from a react video that he did. I'm not oh, sure okay. who the gentleman is. But, yeah. I saw a meme of that. It's that guy, and he's looking at a clock that says uh, December thirty first, um, like eleven fifty nine fifty nine seconds, twenty twenty. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, finally, twenty twenty is coming to the end. And it scrolls across, and the next image is just um, uh, um, like the thirteenth month, the first day of the thirteenth month of twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just twenty twenty is never gonna end. It's like, oh god, no. And it's really weird the way that people are framing, like, 2020 as being an awful year with, you know, the whole COVID-19 pandemic and things like this. And it's as if people are acting like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 and COVID-19 to be over at the same time. It's like, that's not how it's going to work. It's not. And uh, for people who are curious, the name of the meme is the disappointed guy meme. Okay. Uh, and it's just like, and you can like, um, for all your memeing needs, but like, I just remember like, the halcyon days of 2016, where it's like, things can't get worse. 2016, was it, it's the year everyone, everyone you love died. Then yeah, the year where a lot of, a lot of famous celebrities died. 
And then 2017 was the year that everyone you love, you wish everyone you love was dead, because that's the year everyone got outed as a sex predator. Yeah. 2018, I don't really remember much about that. Um, 2019, like what happened? Like it's just shit got real. Like towards, like that's when you started having like a lot of like unrest, and then all of the. Um, uh, did all of um, Australia catch on fire this year? That was this year, Carl. Was that? Oh my god, it was this year. That was this year. That was the first 20... thing that happened. Like the big so... news piece of 2020 started out with Australia burning. Yeah. So let's just try and like recount now what actually happened in 2020. So it started with all of Australia catching fire. Yeah. And uh, with smoke plumes so large they could be seen from the other side of the earth. And billions of animals died. Billions of animals dead. Like half of the ecosystem that supports the biosphere that keeps the earth alive, gone, eradicated, never to return. All while, um, was it the prime minister of Australia said was that saying like, global was warming wasn't a problem? Yeah. There is no war in Bar Singh, say. And then just and the ball stomping of this year is like what I appreciate the most because... It's not just that the bad things happened, it's that the little things that happened alongside the bad things, just to stomp your balls out a little bit more. Like, those wildfires were horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia ravaged beyond recognition. But it's just the stories that came out, just to, like, really, really rub it in, of, oh, yeah, not only have these wildfires devastated an area of land the size of an entire country, yeah. um, koala bears are now extinct. You're like, what? They're, they were, like... Some part like breeds of koala bears are functionally extinct. Apparently, yeah. So many koala to. bears died that the koala bears don't exist anymore. It's oh, sick, great. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, we had the rumblings of the pandemic, which happened. We did uh, uh, early in May, and then that kicked off. And then during the middle of the pandemic, like you had like killer bees and the murder hornets coming in. Oh, and there's the um, the swarms of locusts as well. Yeah, like, so you had, like, two of the biblical plagues yeah. coming in for the assist. It's like, and then you had, like, just non-stop political unrest and racial tensions in America because the police are told, like, please stop shooting black people. Yeah, and, their and is just, nah. like, all of the, the ongoing, like, protests and destruction and just Donald Trump being a just Donald unfathomable Trump. asshole. And then all the, and again, it's just the little things. The little extra things that came in to stomp your balls just that little bit harder during these times of like mm. the killer, like the murder hornets invading America, just randomly out of nowhere and, and then they then disappeared. Oh, like, uh, California, where it's like, oh, okay, well, we're all um, in lockdown because California is like, you know, getting hit really hard by the pandemic. Oh, what's that? Horrible lightning storms that also then caused fires, which also then called, like, caused. Oh, unbreathable happen- fucking air within California. That, that happened this year as well, didn't it? That was like what last the California month? wildfires as well. And it all, do you know that got traced back to? It was an electric company, a private electric company. It's like they never bothered to upgrade their infrastructure, and they oh, checked God. and went, "These things are so old, they will cause wildfires. Can you please repair them?" And they didn't, and they caused wildfires. And they found out this was the cause. The company was asked again, please go sort this out. They didn't, and it caused more wildfires. It's like... Oh, no. And it was like, yeah, uh, so it's during a heat wave. Uh, We're locked inside in California. We're not allowed to go outside. Also, we can't open our windows because the air is unbreathable. And it's like, oh, great. Oh, and then, like, just later, then you had, oh... uh, Donald Trump is very clearly trying to just rig the election because he's just dis- he's dismantling the post office 
in yeah, full, he's in full just view destroying the USPS, yeah, of the world. And like very recently, he or someone on his staff fired the person in charge of warning them about election interference from Russia for no reason. And then in America, you had them being hit by not one but two um, hurricanes at once. Did you see that? Yeah, and I've seen two it hurric- as well. Two hurricanes. It's like, what else could possibly like, fucking happen? There's literally people being made homeless by these storms that then can't get any assistance because of COVID and the lockdown. And then they can't even like get any government help because the yeah. post office is being defunded. And the post boxes are literally being locked up for no reason, Carl. For, for no for no particular reason, no. And it, the fact it's only happening in... Um, traditionally Democrat or swing states that could mm. help swing the election in um, one person's favour is completely it's got nothing to do with it, Carl. It's got nothing to do with it, no. But it's like, how much worse could it possibly get? And then on top of all that, we've got a global recession. A uh, once-in-a-lifetime global recession, just like the, the one for, that for the, happened 10 for, years ago. For the second time in uh, just over a decade. <laughs> and I just thing? saw this great way it was summed up of like, oh, why are millennials so fucking sad? It's like, because they've had about a dozen once-in-a-lifetime things happen to them in the space of 10 years. Yeah. Two of which are, like, are the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I, just can't, I, I don't know what, how it could possibly get worse. And I think it's a credit. And uh, we can bring this back to like, the thing we mentioned at the beginning, like humour, dark humour. There's a lot mm. of dark humour that's been getting people through these times. And I say dark humour in the sense that it's dark because it's been spoken from a place of just knowledge. Yeah, like, dark humor works best when um, the person making the joke is in on it. Of like when it's just the depressed millennial thing of just acknowledging the fact, yeah, the world's fucked, and it's this nihilistic view of what's happening in the world. And it's as like, opposed to what are we down. meant to do when, as we just mentioned, like we're in a second global recession in ten years, and we're like, you know, in our twenties trying to buy houses and stuff like that, and it's like, oh well, either we can like sit in a room and cry, or we can joke about it. Yeah, and some of the ones I've seen, it's just like, it's dark, but I can see this is a way for people to cope, like the double hurricane ones. Oh, two hurricanes at once are coming over the United States, and people are just like photoshopping Beyblades onto it with God and Satan written <laughs> on each one. Because like, how else are you, like, there's no other way to like express yourself in this all the only other response would be just complete crushing despair. Exactly, yeah. And like, it's a testament to like the the strength and like resilience and fortitude of younger people today that we can deal with all these once in a lifetime events with literal good humor and a smile. And Carl, um, like, have you seen talking about you know young people? Yes. Have you seen the image that's going around Twitter today? I have not. No. The, on, uh, there's I've the had a Facebook, busy day on Twitter today. There's a Facebook image that I've seen okay. getting shared around, and it's. Like, you know, the classic, like, um, people on Facebook remembering, like, the good old days. Oh, the good old days before, like, black people could vote and stuff and like that. I'm just, I'm just finding, like, these these images. Yeah. Uh, while, we, while we were talking as well, I got a direct message um, just from one account, Dankulous Fans, saying, you're a bitch. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, so oh, this is... I love shit like this. It's great. From... Actually, no, Carl, I'm going to do what you do to me. I'm going to let you describe this image. Okay, okay, okay. This is this is a full moment. It's not often we have to do this. So this is one of those, like, um, British... It's like, oh, do you remember, like, Fab Lollies or something like that? Oh, when Freddo's cost 10p. It, it's similar to that, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, this is a page called I Am Proud to Be British, which doesn't fill me with hope. No. Uh, for that, there's going to be some new stuff. Because I, I think the British flag, I think specifically the English flag, the, the Union Jack that you don't see much black, just when you see someone, like if you go to America and you see someone like waving around an American flag, or like a lot of homes will have an American flag outside. Yeah, that's I just think like, it's, America. Yeah, it's, it's a like, statement of just being like generally proud of your country. Yeah, and there are people that take that to an extreme. And, I, and they, they will like they are dangerous in in their nationalism, um, as evidenced by everything that's happening in America right now. But, but it's not part, uncommon in America to like yeah. wave a flag. To wave a flag, or have one outside your home, or something like that. And then, yeah. But in Britain, if you see a Union Jack or a just an English flag outside the someone's Saint house, St George's Cross is it? St George's Cross. You can basically guarantee that that person is a little bit racist, or a lot of it, or a lot. But like. It is an almost universal truth that when people have a British or English flag displayed so proudly and so prominently on their property, because for the most part, British people and English people tend to be quite apathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, to their detriment a lot of the times, but I quite like the apathy of the British people. For the most part, yeah. Like my favourite example of that, I, um, just as a, as a side note, being um, that... It's a good contrast with America, where Americans tend to be, for the most part, quite proud of their hometown. Mm. Americans are like, oh, I grew up here. I love my hometown. And if you say a bad thing about their hometown, it's like it's cause for a fight or an argument. It's like, no, you can't say that about my hometown. British people, not so much. <laughs> no. Uh, nothing sums this up better than uh, a book that was released in the UK called 100 Crap British Towns. Yeah. Which is just a list of 100 just really shit British towns that are bad and that no one likes and that are just their dismal, grey, dingy parts of the country that no one likes going to. Okay. And the response to this book, um, according to the author, was overwhelming. Um, not with people being angry at what he'd written about their town, but with people annoyed that their town wasn't in it. <laughs> and he had to write a sequel... Uh, called 100 More Crap British Towns, due to the sheer amount of people writing in like, no, my hometown is way shittier than any of the ones that you've mentioned. Mine's more of a shithole than this place. My, uh, my, my hometown is more of a shithole than any of the ones you've mentioned in your book. I'm annoyed that you didn't talk about how shit it was. <laughs> and I, I just, I love that. And like, it extends to politics as well, where um, uh, I don't think you would find a single person in the country... Who mm-hmm. would say? Who would have a nice thing to say about Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister? I I know like people that would maybe half ass defending him, or do they defend like the the government as a whole? But yeah, like, but I don't know many people that would outright say something nice about him. No, um, to the point where there is graffiti outside where I live that simply says Boris Johnson is a prick in massive two-foot-high letters, to which some, another graffiti artist has written in smaller font, just saying, also a bellend. Yeah. And that is... Every, like, you can go see that anywhere in the country. And like, I love that, that British people on the whole just don't like politicians. No. Like, there is no loyalty to politicians as individuals. They may be to a party, but not to the actual individuals that make it up. Mm-hmm. And it, like, that contrasts quite starkly with America, where it's like um, the figureheads of the parties tend to have quite a rabid following. Uh, yes, for better yeah, or worse. Yeah. And uh, like, so that's 
uh, just a small spiel about that I am proud to be British, about why a British flag is sometimes, or a lot of the time, a red flag. It is very much a red flag. So a proud to be British Facebook page is not a good sign. No, and <laughs> it just says, remember when bins didn't have wheels and were carried by bin men? And it's just five men, who I'm going to assume from Yorkshire, because they're all wearing flat caps, <laughs> yeah. just carrying bins. And I don't get what the point being made here is. Well, there's a second picture, and I won't send it to you because I don't really need to. Okay. Um, and it's just a, a like snapshot of a few comments of basically just like, oh my god, is it? Oh god, these are all oh, these are going to be amazing. Yeah. Do you, it, to, people, do you want me to read them, Carl? Is it like people going, oh, bin men today are pussies? They're not real uh, men like they yeah. were back then. So the first comment, oh, proper bin men, didn't care about health and safety shite, earn their money. <laughs> Always slip them a few quid at Christmas for taking a bit of extra rubbish that was too big to go in the bin. Brilliant okay, so... guys. They always went into the garden to get the bins. Hard working guys. At least the bins were emptied. Not like now. And then a reply going, and men were men. Three exclamation No, four exclamation marks, y'all. Like, uh, this is something we could talk about because there's a strange thing. Um, in British culture, and it's especially prevalent in groups like this all, um, um, and it's an opinion held by the kind of person who would see this and be like, yeah, remember when men were men? Remember when the when Britain was great? Yeah. And it is that health and safety is, like, making people, like, worse? Yeah, it's Because like they didn't the have health and safety that, oh when they were God. Like, how dare you not want to get chronic back problems from lifting up all those bins for 20 years? Yeah, and uh, there is a, like, it's a, a joke almost that health and safety is um, just taken almost to the extreme in the UK. Mm. And I, that is weirdly framed as a bad thing that we have so many rules and regulations to protect workers. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, people responded to, like, the Twitter post going around of, like, Oh, God, remember back in the good old days when we didn't have, like, insurance and we didn't have holidays and we didn't get any rights? It's amazing times. Like, literally back-breaking labour. Yeah, and then the next comment, Carl, you'll like. Okay. you like this one. Proper bin men back then, always smiling. Hard graft didn't phase them. And they picked up everything you put out. The Mamba Pambi bin men of today couldn't even lace their boots. They operate highly sophisticated machinery. Yeah. If anything, they're better because they t- they collect more bins. Carl, isn't it like really, really fucking horrible that people figured out machines could do a better job and also make it easier on the life of everybody doing yeah. the job. And also it's safer for the bin men yeah. because they don't like ruin their backs. And like, there's a couple of like health and safety things. Like they, it's, they always get broken out and made fun of. Mm. And it's like, oh man, they're so stupid. And like there's ones like, oh, you can't lift up um, certain weights without help. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the it's a, around 20 kilos is the maximum amount you are advised to lift. So the rule of thumb is if you kick it, like, well, if you move it with your foot and it's hard to move, don't pick it up. Which is the general rule. And yeah. um, you, feel, you, are, you are free as a worker to ignore that. And I'm like, you know, quite tall. I'm young. Um, I'm fit. I can generally lift up 20 kilos. So when I worked in a bar, I would frequently ignore this rule. Um, against the advice um, of my superiors to like you know to carry multiple because it was quicker for yeah. me. 
But at the same time, that was my choice to make. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have someone breathing down my neck telling me I had to carry that much. No, um, and the, that was like one of those things of, yeah, Carl did it because he decided to. Those bin men like, could literally only have the option of carrying those probably quite heavy bins at the time. Yeah, or be fired. Or be fired. Yeah, that was it. And there was no protection there for them. And I distinctly recall um, having this conversation with my boss when I was moving tables. And um, I, 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 could, I was big enough to pick them up clean and move them that way because it was a lot faster. And I remembered my boss giving me shit for it, you know, the bad boss that I had. Mm, like, can you not yeah. hurry up and do this a bit faster? And I got so pissed off. Like, I'm doing it the fastest way. That's actually unsafe for me to do. Um, so I went and I went, okay, um, my back's starting to hurt a little bit, so I kind of get the dolly. You know, what do you mean the dolly? Like, the dolly for moving tables because these weigh over 20 kilos. Yeah. Um, my back hurts now. Where's the dolly? And she didn't know where it was. Oh, great. So I, I just sat there for half an hour. I need the dolly. Where is it? And she had to call around and find it, and I moved on the dolly because I was so mad. I was like, I am doing the thing that I'm not supposed to do because it's faster. And it's like one of those workplace things where everyone accepts, like, you're not always going to do things the exact way the manuals tell you, but mm-hmm. they are there to protect you in case someone tries to make you do them the wrong way. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember one time, like, back in a, back in the good old Nando's days when it was like, someone got asked to do a job and I was like, no, no, you can't do it that way. Like, you don't have the right PPE. And it's like, oh, well, they said that it wasn't there. I was like, well, don't do it then. Yeah. Just straight up do not do it. If they can't provide the equipment, don't do it. And I wish I'd known more about my workers' rights when I was working in a nightclub all those years ago because the oh, stuff yeah. they made me do was against the law. Yeah. And um, I, it was illegal. It was dangerous. I could have hurt myself um, very badly um, if anything would have gone wrong, and thankfully nothing did. Uh, but when I like, think back to, yeah, I was lifting up um, full wheelie bins of broken glass um, in um, Converse onto the top of wet wheelie bins Fuck in the dark yeah. in a room full of broken glass. And at any point, I could have slipped, broke my neck, fell off, but I've just been covered in broken glass or landed on broken glass. Lovely. And uh, I would not have been helped for that because then my boss would have had, well, we told him not to do it. And when I know in my head, if I'd not do it, I'd have been fired. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. So well, I love the idea of, oh, man, people today are pussies. Look at them looking after themselves and their bodies. <laughs> it, it, it smacks of, have you ever seen that, that, that legendary tweet uh, from the guy who's like, yeah, I just had someone call me gay for using sunscreen. Oh, Imagine thinking you're stronger than the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just, there's, there's so God many. God, Carl, skin cancer is for strong people. There's so many of them of like guys who refuse to drink water and stuff like that because water is gay. Yeah. And it's like, what? That that's not how it works. Just like anything, like the things that people will see as making them, like, or they see as feminine, is almost um, bordering on parody. Yeah, it really is, and the fact that there's like these comments going around, like, I I can't believe like. You know, bin men now don't pick up these super heavy bins. They use wheels. Ugh. How dare they not break their backs for a, like, probably not great paying job? Well, that's the thing. They probably got paid better back in the day um, because that's when the job was, uh, I don't think it was unionised, but it had been um, subsidised by the council. Council jobs 
yeah. um, w- were incredibly lucrative because you not only got very well compensated for the job, you got a really good pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad works um, for the government. I won't say in what capacity because it's like, you know, an a area uh, oh, that's God, quite Paul's sensitive. Dad Boris Johnson. He's not Boris Johnson, no. It's, a, <laughs> it's an area of the government that's quite sensitive and he's confirmed to me in like conversations we've had as adults. Like, yeah, um, initially our pension was great, uh, but now they want me to work till I'm 70 odd. Yeah. And then I'll get like half the money I was promised and it's awful, but that's probably still better than what other people in the country get. And yeah, the, the great irony to me is that I bet the people saying all this stuff would vote for the Tories, aka the people who gutted the system um, that allowed bin men to be this um, supposedly great service because they were offered great benefits and um, uh, it was a lifelong job with um, security. Well, yeah, I saw a lot of people uh, responding like, oh man, can you imagine what would happen if we asked these people like, to pay more council tax so that the binman would be good? <laughs> you want me to pay more money for better services? Fuck off. How dare you? Oh, my God. It's just How... like... oh. I'm always reminded of that great Simpsons bit where, oh, yeah, we want you to do something about the bears because the bear walks into town. So they give them a $5 tax increase to pay for bear patrols and then all the townspeople complain. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this interview, I think it's Matt Groening or the uh, showrunner for that season. So yeah, we just wanted a way to, we made this episode to highlight just the inherent hypocrisy of simultaneously demanding better services and lower taxes. You can't... It's one or the other, yeah. Yeah, if you want better services, you've got to pay more taxes. If you want to pay less taxes, you've got to have less services. Unless you're in America, then you don't get anything. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's just like, I don't... I don't want to, it's similar to the whole uh, thing we talk about with like, you know, just creative people and artists and stuff where it's like, well, it can be done, um, what, it can be done well, it can be cheap and it can be fast. It's like you pick two. Yeah, pick two, yeah. You can have it fast and done well, but it won't be cheap. You can have it cheap and fast, but it won't be done well. You mm-hmm. can have it well and uh, cheap, uh, but it won't be fast. But people want all three. People want, want it to be three. done well. That be done fast and for it to be really fucking good. It's like, like you don't I, get that. It's like I want all my groceries in one bag, but I don't want it to be heavy. Yeah. Again, The Simpsons are fucking nailing it. It's like absolutely re- nailing it. Rewatching early Simpsons and you just see jokes in there that to this day like they land so fucking hard. And the one that it gets me in the soul is the uh, Poochie episode mm. where you have. Um, a comic book guy who's a very obvious audience standing for that episode cussing out the creators of Itchy and Scratchy where Bart's just like what what are you doing complaining about this show and yeah. he responds as a loyal fan I feel like they owe me to which Bart <laughs> Simpson responds and you know every writer for the show is like just they wrote this line in tandem to be like as a fuck you to their audience says yeah. and it's a quote I'll never forget um, they have given you hundreds of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? If anything, you owe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which comic book guy responds, worst episode ever, and refuses to acknowledge anything he just said. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> so perfect. It's exactly that. Yeah, it really is. It's like, uh, what could I possibly owe you? I've given you hundreds of hours. And as a YouTube creator, I feel that in my bones. Well, last thing is, okay, like, in um. In The Simpsons, for example, like Simpsons, yeah, 
maybe wasn't on free television, but the point still stands. Whereas YouTube is literally free. It's a free service. And we've, um, did we talk about the God of War thing on the podcast? Uh, oh, God, Carl. Uh, probably. Uh, maybe. We? I don't know. We've talked about it some. We have because it, it got me, it, again, it got me in my soul. Like, and this Simpsons thing, it speaks to me in dealing with this. But we could think about it generally. It was just a guy um, responded to one of our, uh, a tweet I put out saying, oh yeah, here's the next place on the channel. I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, me and Lucas are really having fun. Um, hopefully people respond positively when it comes out. And a guy was just incensed at the idea that he has to wait for content. Yeah, it was like, oh my god, I can see that there's videos in the playlist, but they're not visible to me. How am I supposed to deal with this? Why Why would you do that to your fans? And um, on a like a more abstract level, I have had, four years at this point, um, people arguing directly to me that um, your fans are the reason you're successful. Um, you, like, you, you have to like, just listen to what we have to say. It's like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I... I, I I am the reason I'm successful because I'm the one doing all the work. It's like you and maybe a little helping hand from the YouTube algorithm gods. But it's, but it's like nobody says that about film. No, they don't. No one goes like, well, um, I am the reason that, I don't know, insert actor Robert Downey Jr. is famous. Well, you never turn around and get fans go. Well, you get fans making a lot of demands about Marvel, but they don't specifically use the line of, well, I am the reason that Endgame is the most profitable movie of all time, or the yeah. highest grossing. Like, they owe me. And it's like, no, they yeah, just go, oh, man, like, Endgame was great. Yeah, the fans may have helped, you know, establish the franchise, but it diminishes the work of countless individuals. Literally, like, in that case, thousands of thousands of people. Working in tandem for a single goal. And it's just it's strange that the smaller you get... Um, in regards to the content being made, um, the more wild people seem to think their contribution was. I, I guess that... it's because they have one person to target or a few people yeah. to target rather than, like, a company. I don't know if that plays into it. It but might do. Weird mentality to have. It's a super strange mentality. It's especially uh, just strange to see. It's not something you ever really encounter. Like, Because uh, I have a couple of friends... Uh, our friend Charlie, for example, yes. I told him about this, and he was astounded. Mm-hmm. Like he was uh, not speechless, but he he did this what I'm doing right now that uh, um, like the dumbfoundedness because he couldn't formulate a response to the statements. Like, are, are you serious? People actually, it's like, it happens every day, all yep. the time. And I just want to see it translate now. I want to see that in every form of media. <laughs> yeah, like, I want to see. People like bitching out um, actors who are like, "Yeah, I made a new movie. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the project, you guys." I'm going, "You're only famous because of me, oh. Jeff. What? Who are you?" Yeah, I don't. Remember I've you watched being all there. of your films in the cinema and on DVD. I'm the reason you're famous. It's like, I don't remember you there in my acting classes <laughs> back in the day. But sure, yeah, it's all like my audition, giving me like the heads up, you know, giving me some motivation. It's all thanks to me. Oh, uh, God. It, it goes back to like what we um, spoke about at the beginning, doesn't it, of um, the, the, that great quote from a fan of uh, Bugs on the Windshield thinking they steer the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it really does. This, and that this, is a uh, great quote. 
It is. I'm going to use it a lot. I feel for because it's just so <laughs> it's so descriptive. It's so visceral. Yeah. But the idea of people having an overinflated sense of their contribution to something. Mm-hmm. And have you ever experienced anything like that in like the real world? Um. Mm, I'm not sure that I can think of like a, a good thing to um elaborate oh, okay. on it with. To be honest, but like it reminds me of a kind of like. The opposite thing, though, when you okay. said that, of like, um, when it came to like you know voting in the general election, yeah, and like I got told off by people for not voting Tory or Labour because there was no point in voting, and I was like, oh, right, okay, and it's weird that people have that mentality, but then also they're probably the same people that will shout at you and go like, listen to me, the one fan, yeah. I should be able to dictate the tone of your content based on this. And there's like there's various arguments we made about that, but it's like it's, it's a very strange experience, and I, I really struggle to find um, ways to put it into words. Mm. The things I do, so oftentimes, my life um, borders on the surreal. Yeah, like I said earlier today, where I'm just doing my job as I often do, like the same thing I've been doing for the last couple of years mm-hmm. of just going to the office, um, uh, like making my work, like I wake up, I do my exercise, I get some breakfast, um, I catch up on the news, and then just in the middle of the day, get yelled at by people with swastika avatars. And the fact now that that's just become a just recurring thing that happens to me of just randomly, I am expected to just deal with horrendous abuse out of nowhere. And the fact that I could just take it in my stride now Seems so strange, like to look back. If I'd have like thought about this like a couple of years ago, yeah. someone would have told me, "Oh, in a couple of years, you'll you'll be quite successful." Mm. Like maybe when I was younger, before the internet was like even a thing on people's radar. Of yeah, what do you want to do when you're older, Carl? Like asking like ten year old me. Well, when I'm older, I want to be an entertainer. That's that sounds great. Do you want to be on television? It's like yeah, I think so. I want to be on television. And then imagine my teacher sitting there and goes, "Well, Carl, you do know that too." have a career like that, you will have to, at least once per day, deal with somebody calling you a prick. It's like, hmm. Well, the thing is, like, I'm sure, you know, before the uh, internet, like, as you say, became something a bit more relevant to yes, entertainment, um, it probably was still, like, the the fact that, yeah, you will get a lot of hate from people, but it would be probably condensed down to people shouting at their TV screen so that they don't like you. Yeah, they're really fat. You'll be quite removed from it. But it's just, yeah. it's very strange that I, I can just say a significant portion of my day, which I say it's significant, not in the sense of it takes a long time or it's like a huge part of it, but it's a significant, significant. note. Yeah, it's significant in the sense that it's probably the most um, unusual thing to happen to me in a day is sometimes I'll just open my phone and have literal Nazis screaming at me. And that's just part and parcel of my job now. And with how gradually it happened. Mm, I can imagine. Is the thing that's the most um, uh, interesting to think about for me. Yeah. Well, I was like, um, just what it, day after day, it built and built and built and built. So now I'm just saying, it's just the thing where I'll, oh, well, you've been with me, haven't you? Like before the dark times. Yeah. If I will just occasionally look at my phone and just hold up my phone to the group, and it is hate mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, like, sat there having a conversation or a drink or playing some games, and I'll just hold up my phone, and it's someone screaming at me because they're really angry. It's like, 
it's really strange to think that how just quickly that became a part of my daily routine. Yeah, it's very strange. And, like, to be fair, you know, we've mentioned, like, you can take it on the chin and joke about it. And obviously, regardless of how tough a skin someone has, it still is not a nice thing to experience. Oh, yeah, but I'm thinking, like, is there other things in life where looking back or looking at it from the lens of, like, you know, yourself a couple of years ago, hmm. that you'd be astounded that you just do every day? Because I think the the one that I think is, like, the most incredible is phones, smartphones. Everybody has a smartphone. Yeah, Everybody yeah. listening to this is probably listening to it on a smartphone or has one within three feet of their person. More than likely, yeah. And if you go back, I think just like 10, 15 years, you'll find articles written by experts of decrying um, the rise of the cellular phone or mobile phone as it was back then. Yep. Because why do you always need to have a phone on you? It's such a pointless device. And you fast forward just 10, 15 years, and it is the most ubiquitous piece of technology. And there is never a time where you look out into a group of people and don't see at least three or four people on one. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, and like it's... How- um... Always um, slow that burn was. To think like when I always think about the the advancement of uh, smartphones nowadays, I think back to like a couple of years ago when it was like, oh, um, this is the anniversary of like, well, this is the day that is traveled to in Back to the Future Part Two, where oh, they yeah. have flying fucking like, hoverboards and, and then self tying shoes. It's like, yeah, okay, well, we don't have self tying shoes, but we do have like. PCs in our pocket that are linked to a global network of information. Yeah, which I'd argue is way more impressive. And it's, I forget the exact name, but I think it's the Star Trek effect. Mm. Where um, you look at shows like Star Trek, science fiction shows, where part of like their draw is that they will ask, or they are tasked with like envisioning what a future would look like. Yeah. And you have devices in Star Trek that look, um, less sophisticated than what we have now. Like, yeah. uh, like uh, their idea of like they have iPad-like devices, where oh, we're diagnosing a problem in the ship. Here is a screen that is as flat as a like, you know sheet of cardboard that yeah. we can use to diagnose the ship. And you re- think to yourself, like, go back when this show was made. That was some science fiction writer's idea of the absolute pinnacle of what technology will be able to achieve in the next 400 years. That and was something ach- that was so out of the realm of possibility that it was farcical. Yeah, it's it's science fiction. Yeah. And fast forward 30, 40 years, and everybody has a device that is better than that in their pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got stuff like, oh, the ship that uh, took Neil Armstrong to the moon had less technology in it than a Game Boy. Oh, okay. A game. I think the uh, the I forget what the exact statistic is, but it's like a Game Boy had more processing power. I guess so because even though it was in your pocket, it was what nearly thirty years later. Yeah, something like that. It's oh yeah, a Game Boy um, had more processing power than the computers that put man on the moon. Man, Uh, but like one that I think is probably the most um, ridiculous to think about is how many forms of entertainment people will imbibe at any given time because um, we're making a podcast right now. Yes. Is that correct? And Lucas, you are a big fan of podcasts, right? Uh, yeah, I spend, I'd say, a good, like, maybe quarter of my day with a podcast on in the background. And you can, and I'm guessing you're like me in the sense, I'm similar, I'll have, um, my thing is YouTube videos or TV shows. Yeah. 
Um, I will occasionally have times where I will be sat playing my Xbox, so with one screen, with a YouTube video playing mm. on another screen, on a laptop that's not even facing towards me, just so I have the background noise of that, yeah. um, while occasionally glancing at my phone, on which I have five different messaging apps all talking to different people. Yeah, and I um, I actually realised a couple of days ago that I was like upping it one more, and on the loading screens of Destiny, I had my Switch on my lap playing Pokemon at the same time. <laughs> While there was a podcast on, and I was messaging people on my phone and tweeting. Yeah, and I was like, like yeah. what am I doing right now? Why do I need to be so preoccupied? Yeah, but I just um, I had that thought the other day. It's me and my girlfriend. I'm playing some Xbox. She's playing League of Legends, and then we've got a laptop in between us, just playing a TV show. Yeah. And I just thought, and then occasionally we're both like glancing at our phone and checking messages and stuff like. We have got like five fucking screens between us right now. Yeah. And I thought in, in my head, like, if you went back 10, 15 years, and you, like, Joe, I say when you like, you must remember when you were younger when you parents are watching TV and you like pulled your Game Boy out. Yeah. And you would get like shouted at, put your Game Boy away. You're either like, uh, the thing that I would get is if I was watching, playing my Game Boy and I had the TV on in the background, Mm. my dad would be like, turn the TV off if you're not watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I will routinely have like five screens. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, what would my dad do if he got transported like when I was then uh, into the modern day and saw me as an adult with, like, five screens at once. Like, how did I go so wrong raising him? (laughs) And I think it's just um, part of modern day that a lot of people do that. And I I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. it's generally that I've gotten to that point where if I'm not, like, participating in something and trying to, like, consume information at the same time, I feel like I'm wasting some time. Yeah, and I, I forget... Like the way it's, I've seen it worded, but it's just like, uh, it's really difficult to take a break in modern day because um, the fact that we are able to be contacted 24 hours a day makes us feel like we should be active 24 hours a day. I don't mean active in like jogging, exercise. Mentally active. Just mentally um, like active and that is uh, good interactive point. things. And that um, is like has the insidious effect of just causing mental fatigue. Yeah. Because if you think about like how many hours a day just you are being mentally stimulated, mm-hmm. even if it's just something like watching TV, like you said, you're watching TV and listening to a podcast and playing a Game Boy. Yeah. Like, and I do wonder like, what the effect that'll have on people. I want to see what the extreme of it is. And do you, like, what's the most extreme example you've had of like just trying to do multiple things at once? Um, well, it might have honestly been that moment when I was playing two games at once while messaging tweeting listening to a podcast like like you're doing all those things at once and at the same time you still feel like you're wasting your time yeah there was still like those i don't know like one two seconds between putting my xbox controller down and picking up pokemon where i'm like i wish there would be like a faster way to switch over <laughs> I, I want to just live in the fucking cube and just have oh. screens on every surface and to be fair i personally don't see this as um, something that has happened to me because of like smart devices or whatever because I know for a fact that even when I was young, even when I was uh, starting school, like, every single teacher would always come on to my parents look, he's always like distracted and doing something and thinking of something else but 
every time I try to catch him out and like ask him a question, he's also completely aware of what's happening. Yeah, he's so like I've always just been like trying to keep my mind on two things at once, and I don't know necessarily that it's because of technology. Well, I'm. I, this is just something I wanted to mention because I'm curious about this, and if we do have any listeners, uh, I would be curious if people could reach out to me to give me some feedback about this. Where I have inc- found it increasingly difficult to convince myself to read because I read for my job. Yeah. Um, I used to read a lot for pleasure. I read quite a lot for my job, just um, for research, mm-hmm. um, just keep myself abreast of what's happening in the world, um, news reports, like messaging people, that sort of thing. But reading for pleasure is something I have found increasingly difficult to do. Yeah. Not because I don't enjoy it, but because I have this strange pang of guilt when I do, because I feel like I could be doing more. Oh, right, okay. Uh, like, do you get what you... I mean? Um. Do you do audiobooks at all, like to try and... No, I, I can't deal with audio, but I, I for the tactile like, of having a book in my hand. But, like, Joe, you, you, we mentioned, like, the you'll be sitting watching TV yeah. and, like, playing something on your phone or what playing a game and have music or anything else in the background. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I, I see that as doing two, three things at once. So yeah. for me, because I have to concentrate fully on a book, it feels like I'm wasting time, even though it's all just wasting time. At the end of the day. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, like, what is entertainment more than a way to, like... Waste time keep, in a keep way Keep you huge. entertained while you're wasting time, yeah. But I'm just curious if there are any people out there listening to this who've ex- experienced something similar of. Like, they feel guilty to read because it feels like you could be doing more. And I think like, it more in the sense that, well, I could be playing Xbox and watching a YouTube video... And yeah, like I guess because like and it's I, really strange to think about that. I do, I do, like feel the same way. Not so, not necessarily due to books, but um, I do feel the same way of like even I don't know going to take a shower. Like I will have a podcast on during the shower, so I feel like I'm doing something while I'm showering. Yeah, like if you get a bath, you've got to have yeah, like, you have and, like a laptop nearby playing something on it. It's just. The idea of just relaxing is so stressful now, for some reason. It is. like I've stopped listening to music, really, now that I'm um, indoors all the time because of, you know, the pandemic. And it's because I feel like, well, I could be learning things listening to a podcast, or I could be listening to music I've already heard. That's fair, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I've even got to that point where I don't want to listen to music to relax because I feel like I could be taking in information even if it's like a comedy podcast like i still feel like i'm gaining a bit of information out of that conversation rather than listening to a song yeah well even if it is like i said just um comedic and it's entirely without value for lack of a better term it still adds more things to your mind you can bring up in a later conversation and it's like even then maybe just like is a little bit more mentally stimulating because you're listening to a conversation and having to think about it. Yeah, you have to like, be actively engaged with it. But at the same time, I do wonder like, what impact that will have in, yeah. in the long term. Because obviously it's a very recent phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And there's no, obviously, historical precedent for it because there's no way people will like this um, like, had access to this much potential like stimulation mentally. But last so thing I'm is, really it's similar about to... Where it's gonna go. Yeah, it's similar to, oh, well, smoking is great. And then 50 years later, it's like, oh, no, it has horrible detrimental long-term effects. Uh, but it's one of the things where I am really genuinely curious if anyone else has experienced that where more simple ways, I suppose, of passing the time 
and relaxing make, and keeping yourself entertained yeah make you feel stressed because you feel like you like in your head you know you could do two things at once even mm-hmm. though this is time you're taking for yourself it's, it's but, weird isn't it yeah it's like i find it difficult to sleep just because i think to myself i could just be watching something on tv my i, I sleep with old podcasts on that like oh no i don't sounds... have to i can only half think about and it's like ones from years ago that i won't really remember the conversation but it's not something that i'm going to be like oh well i need to stay up to listen to this part so it's like i guess i could be um using audiobooks for that but then again i feel like i'd be too mentally stimulated because i want to know what's going to happen and then you have that super awkward thing where you fall asleep halfway through something. Then you got to rewind when you wake up. You don't know where you work. fell asleep at. And it's, and it's like, oh, like, oh, God damn it. That happens so fucking much to me. It's well annoying. And I've tried like white noise machines and I've tried um, using an app Calm. That a lot of people have suggested where there's a variety of different like methods and noise and lights and stuff to try and help calm you. But yeah, it just doesn't seem to work. I need to find that like just little spot in the middle where i'm telling myself my brain is being mentally challenged but is not really and i can fall asleep very strange i'm curious where it's gonna go in the future i'm uh just it is it's as very, i mentioned just it's very scary where it might go but just how slowly that happened and became the norm you go back 10 years yeah. the idea of listening to um a podcast or an audiobook while watching TV or doing something that supposedly takes this much of your brain power. Yeah. It would be unheard of. People call you an idiot. And that's weird, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's happened very quickly, but so... um, It's been so, like, ingrained and happened, like, through technology we were using that it feels like it's, yeah, it's slowly crept under people's skin and just kind of become part of everyday life. Um, no one like noticed the change was happening, really. No, and um, just with technology, because uh, my girlfriend um, was a teacher for a while, and mm-hmm. something she said to me that made me really go, oh, I must feel bad inside. And it was um, the number of children, like she worked with young children, she'd see um, interact with a piece of paper and try and touch it like an iPad. Oh, my God. Because they're so used to just technology. It's in their hands from virtually the moment they are able to comprehend their existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are like living in a world where everything... Uh, and then traditional media seems just so wildly outdated to them because they haven't had the experience like of that. And I do wonder where that's going to go. And there's a picture that went around a couple of days ago and you look at it and it just makes you feel sad inside. And it's this um, young girl, I think she's like five, six years old, like her hair's a mess. She's like wearing like mismatched socks and she's sat at this computer four times her size just with this dead, defeated look on her face. It's like, uh, the caption is like my six-year-old daughter's first day of school. She doesn't know how to read or write yet and she now she's expected to know how to send emails. <laughs> and it's like, oh God, you feel so bad for that kid. Yeah, and that's the thing is how many people are going to be like with kids trying to get like, you know, um, schooled online that also don't know how to work the computers. Like, yeah, like the... Although... The blind can, leading uh, the blind. We've got something here, because there's a great story I saw, and like, it gives you hope for the future generations. Not okay, so yeah. much for the people trying to lead them into the, like, the world, yeah. but at the very least, the kids are all right, as they say. Hmm. And it was a, a story in America, because 
yeah, a load of kids are now learning online. And this is a difficult thing to adjust to because it is virtually every child in America now has to just be taught online. We're not equipped to deal with this. So um, one of the things that has been implemented are algorithms that will mark homework. And okay. the thing, as you might imagine, these algorithms are not perfect and are, in fact, quite stupid. They're stupid algorithms. I think the term is like a stupid algorithm or something like that. Or it's just it's a, or dumb learning. Yeah, um, but I imagine like this is something that's only recently had to be made, so it's probably not that well established. Or it's something that already exists that has been retrofitted for this system. Um, yeah, exactly. There's um, a recollection uh, from a lady on t- uh, Twitter talking about how her son, from her experience, you know, talking to him, um, seemed to have grasped um, his subject quite well. Yeah. And when they were like, you know reading through it together, he seemed to understand what was being said and seemed to have a fairly decent grasp of it. But... Um, all of his tests were terrible. Okay. Uh, so what they did is they looked at the test and they took it themselves and realized that the algorithm uh, that is being used to grade their work is a fucking idiot. And all it's looking for is specific buzzwords. Oh, no. It's not actually being trained. or It doesn't actually look out for even sentence structure. It is looking for specific words and terms. Yeah. Um, so her son learned to just write one sentence... Um, that answers the question as simply as possible and then just write like um, a dozen bu- uh, buzzwords after it that make no sense, but it's the words that it wants answered. Oh, no. And he's getting 100% on all of his tests. So he's not learning anything except for how to cheat the system. Which yeah, I'd that's say, literally all he's learning. But I reckon that'd be a good thing for the next generation to learn because I want the next generation to cheat the fucking system. Like, I, think, the system I think they is, need to. They have, they have been so fucked over by just the world. Mm-hmm. I, I do not feel bad that those kids are going to just, like, fuck it up back. Yeah. I, um, and all these kids who've, like, basically, oh, yeah, now go take your lessons online, and these the, the, these algorithms do not know how to measure intelligence at all. Yeah. And I would say that figuring out a way to cheat that system um, <laughs> is a better example of their intelligence than any test would show, and I hope um, that stuff like that doesn't happen as much, but that when it does, um, at least kids can use their creativity. Exactly, yeah. And they're, and, to, and they're celebrated for it. Because I'd hope kids who did that would be celebrated rather than penalised. That's what I was going to say. I really hope that those parents see that as a, a good thing and like, well done, you learn how to deal with this shitty little algorithm. Because that's an application of knowledge. And the application of knowledge is realistically what a school should teach you in addition to facts and numbers and dates and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that reminds me a little bit of what happened in the UK recently with A-levels. Have you heard about that? Um, I mean, I heard about the whole... Is it like the results day with the printed results and actual results and stuff? Yeah, so um, we had something similar over here for it's GCSE, so I believe it's our equivalent of the SATs in America, um, and then A-levels, uh, which are what um, 16 to 18-year-olds take. So um, at the age of like 15 and 16, you will take different like exams towards your GCSE results which you get yeah. at age 16 and then the equivalent of like end of high school for um, Americans Americans is either us doing like things like BTECs in uh, colleges and stuff like that or the A-levels yeah so it's just it's roughly analogous 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 I don't know how to say that word I'm really sorry I didn't do well in school as you can tell um, to the SATs yeah and um what happened was, is oh, uh, there's no way we can get kids in school 
teenagers, there's no way to get them all in to take the exams. It is not feasible, it's not safe. Um, so what they did instead is they developed an algorithm that will predict the uh, gr grades of children and teenagers taking these tests based on um, several factors. And some of them sound quite reasonable, such as um, predictive grades from mock exams, mm -hmm. um, which um, you know a lot of kids take. I took mock exams. Uh, um, so I will say the thing that I don't like about that idea is, okay, it's something that they've taken to, to prove how well they'll do in future exams. But I got told, look, these are mock exams. Don't take so them seriously. I didn't take them seriously. I didn't revise for them. I just got like E's on them all. And I did get like all A's and B's when I actually took my result, like my because, real yeah. tests. And uh, That's the problem. So what, so, which is something they predicted. So in addition mm. to that, there's also um, just individual teacher evaluations for each student, which... Um, Teachers across the UK have been just filling out just ad nauseum, f basically since lockdown began, of yeah. writing in, just individually reviewing each student and then saying what they think their grades could be um, if it had not been for the lockdown. And then there's some other um, more abstract concepts that the algorithm took into abstract account. Abstract uh, Yeah, such as um, the general grades that the school gets. So the performance of the school is also taken into account. Well, the problem here is, let's say, for example, you are an exceptional student um, in a traditionally poorly performing school. Yep. And traditionally poorly performing school, um, you can virtually guarantee that's going to be in a low income area because that's how these things work. Because Generally speaking, it's more likely that a poor performing school is in a lower income area. Yeah. Because it's not getting as much money, so it doesn't have the resources of... Um, say, you know, a better school or a private school. Mm -hmm. So what you had is, is you had individual students who were um, predicted to do excellent um, in their exams and their teacher evaluations were flawless. But because they went to a low-income school, which traditionally did quite poorly, the algorithm slashed their grades in half. And the same is true of, like, um, teenagers going to um, traditionally not as well-performing colleges and people are missing out on like Oxford and Cambridge uh, because of this algorithm. People are having you... the university offers terminated because of this stupid fucking algorithm. Uh, because even though um, their like, mock exams and their own teacher, the person who knows them the best, is saying, I believe they would do excellently um, yep. if they were able to take this down. But the, uh, what makes this especially infuriating and what made it really just you can tell what's going on here it's one of those where you look at it and go yeah i can see what you're going for here is that um because the algorithm was unfairly weighted um it placed un it unfairly weighted uh, it put a undue amount of weight on the performance of the school um better performing schools and private schools in particular um every student there got basically perfect grades yeah. So what they were doing is just um, giving more weight um, to the traditional um, results the school would be expected to achieve above the child's own performance <laughs> and a review from their teachers. And it's so fucked up. I think Scotland immediately rescinded all of them and then uh, said, no, yeah, we've got to go back been, to... There's been different varying degrees of like rollback and apologies across the UK, but it's completely fucked up. And who would have seen... Like, a classist move like this come from the Tories, eh? Yeah, it's so unthinkable, isn't it? And it's just, 
you feel so bad, like some of the individual stories that are coming out, like you have uh, that kid you knew in school who you just look at and go, they're going to do great because they get perfect grades in everything. And they came out with like C's because they came from a traditionally poor school. Yeah, and I think some of them took into account like their background. So if they lived in an area that didn't happen to be, uh, like, you know, all that nice. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, well, no one from that area could ever do well. It's and like, oh, a... kids on council estates don't get good grades, Carl. So let's just give them all C's and like, um, tell them to be thankful for it. And the worst response to this, I think the education secretary, when they, he was asked about it, he goes, well, I'm sure that nobody out there wants kids getting places in university they didn't earn. And it's like, how about you go fuck yourself? Cause yeah. Like, Maybe like in some fringe cases, people who weren't expect who weren't expected to do well might get um, an offer to one of these like highly elite universities. But surely you have faith in those universities to weed people out who aren't serious and committed to learning. You know these like giant institutes that have been going for over a hundred years. Now, like, Oxford is older than the Aztec Empire. Is the the city that gets thrown around? That's how long that's been there. But um, what? Yeah, Oxford University is older than the Aztec Empire. Really? Yeah, I think that's the statistic I get thrown around a lot. Let's have a look. I'm going to double check that. I'm not great with history, so I couldn't tell you whether that's right or wrong, but that sounds weird to me. Like, you, you uh, could yeah. very well be right. Uh, uh, here we go. Oxford University was founded, um, it's believed to have been founded in 1096, although it has no no, no, no known foundation dates. It could have been earlier. It's 200 years older than the Aztecs, 300 Jeez. years older than Machu Picchu, and 150 years older than the Easter Island heads. Like, we're coming up on a thousand years of Oxford. Yep, still there. Still oh, going strong hell. after all these years. But um, I'm sure you can, like, uh, when you were in university and college and stuff, Lucas, like, the people who didn't have the, the acumen or even just like the the desire to be there very quickly got weeded out. Yeah, they stood out like a sore thumb. And just like, yeah, even in my uni, I went to a shit uni, I went to Hallam. I, I mean, well, we both Hallam. went to the uh, the same uni. We did, That's yes. we met. And we went to the same uni, even there, like, in my class, when people did, like, you could tell that they weren't there to learn. Oh, they didn't really give a shit about the course. Because there were a like, lot of people that went to uni for the party scene. They did, yeah, and they, those people didn't do very well. So you'd think, like, you'd trust, you'd hope that they trust the university to make that decision. It's like, nah, man, let's trust the algorithm. Yeah, this, like, fucking made-up piece of shit that decides, oh, yeah, well, good schools make every student get really good grades. It's like, that's not, not at all how it works. Oh, I, just, I love it. Like, it's uh, just verging on dystopian. Like, the, the one that I saw, I'm going to bring this headline. We can end on this because, like, I thought this was an Onion headline. Okay. Uh, dun, dun. So I'm going to, like, riff for a moment, Luke, while I find the story. Oh, God, you told me to riff while I was taking a drink. Oh, oh no. <laughs> like, I nearly spat on my drink on my computer screen. Oh, God, you've okay. got to love it. It's all right. I found the thing now. So we have here, it's a story. Uh, I am referencing The Guardian here. We have a student uh, called Jessica Johnston who won the Orwell Youth Prize um, for a dystopian tale. 
that she wrote. So George Orwell, the uh, the writer of 1984. So the story here is, Lucas, and I, you're not going to believe this, mate. It, it is. It's so perfect. Um, an 18-year-old student who predicted this year's A-level result crisis in an award-winning dystopian story about an algorithm deciding school grades according to social class has had her own results downgraded. Oh, no. So in 2019, um, she won an Orwell Youth Prize for her short story titled A Band Apart, uh, which is the first story she had written, set in 2029. Imagine a system where students were sorted into bands based on their background. Oh, God. Mum still thinks I can be a doctor. She doesn't understand how hard it is to get into band one for people like us, says a character in her story. Uh, Johnson had her English A-level result downgraded from an A to a B and lost her place at the University of St. Andrews before the government U-turn on Monday. So there was a U-turn. Oh, no, like, this is nailing it. Oh, so, uh, like, he says here, though, a quote from Jessica, I've fallen into my story. Yeah, she literally has. She's literally predicted her fucking future. So I based it on the educational inequality I'd already witnessed. I just exaggerated that inequality and added the algorithm. I really didn't think it would come true as quick as it did. Oh, God. Oh, no. Uh, the best bit about this is, like, it shows how fucking biased this thing was, where a winner of a Orwell writing prize... Like they got a prize for the quality of their writing, had their results downgraded. Yeah, by the algorithm. Of course they have. And then oh. another quote from Jessica: "I've been so stressed and anxious these last few days, waiting to hear back. We got told you can go wherever you want in life. You work hard enough. But we've seen this year that no matter how hard you've worked, you got given a grade based on where you live. Like, how is this fucking eighteen-year-old like more knowledgeable than some people I know?" Well, it sounds like she's definitely more knowledgeable than I am. Like, God, this fucking... Like I said, the kids are going to be all right. And there's this this great um, summation here from Professor Jean Seaton. She's the director of the Orwell Prize. Okay, yeah. About the the story she wrote. Jessica saw into the heart of what the system represents. And her story demonstrates that human ability... Oh, sorry. Her story demonstrates the human ability which exams only exist to uncover. Okay, yeah. And she ends on, it was not exactly a fairy tale I wanted to come true. Yeah, that's like, uh, just, not the type of story that you write hoping that it'll happen to yourself. But, but here's the thing, though. She wrote it in 2019. A year later, it happened. Yeah. Like, how fast well, life goes, you. eh? Oh, like, God. But here's the thing, though. I, I go back to it and say, if, if I would have written that as a joke or in a story like she did, like mm-hmm. she wrote it in a story that's dystopian. It's supposed to be so ridiculous that it is, it is science fiction. Well, she won the Orwell Award, you know, George Orwell, like, yeah. literal like, oh, yeah. dystopia. Like, imagine how, a world where this would even happen. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And then, like, a year later, it happens to her. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Like, she, I hope she gets, like, another one. Oh, God. Like, does she win the prize for it happening to her as well? It's just like, oh, God. It's like that great image of, um, oh yeah, to cel- like celebrating the birthplace of George Orwell. There's a fucking security camera above it. Oh no! <laughs> it's just like, you, you couldn't write an image 
Like if you like, <laughs> if you try to create an image that on the nose, people say you're like, no, that's taking the piss. Yeah. And it's just, it's fucking real life. And it's like, I don't know what else to say other than for fuck's sake. Like, oh, that poor kid. I hope uh, that she does okay because like clearly she's a very smart and talented young girl who's gone, like, going to go places. You would hope so, Carl, unless like the system keeps her down, but... Which it very evidently is trying to fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> Just laser accurate, isn't it, of, uh, oh, God. Oh, hello, Mama. I would like to be a doctor, but how could we possibly do that? We live in the poor area a year later. The poor's not allowed to fucking go to uni. <laughs> oh, God. Like, like, fuck off, man. Oh, it gets me. I love it. Like, again, there's nothing to do but laugh. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing. There's a, there's not much to laugh at in the world right now that isn't just dark fucking human. Oh, oh but it's, it's just so good. Like, Lucas could, like, if I'd have said that to you a year ago, you'd have been like, fuck off, Carl, that's too on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no way you can make that. Like, that's not a thing that's going to happen, and he does. Now, I didn't believe when I saw the news coming out that, like, yeah, people are getting downgraded for essentially being poor. <laughs> then you read the news story and it's way worse. Because not oh only are they being downgraded for being poor, they, that their actual educational acumen is being ignored in favour of the fact that they are poor. Yep. It's like, uh, like you have got like, mock exam results saying this student is exceptional in the academic sense. And a quote from their teacher saying, they are incredible, I believe they will accomplish great things. And then a computer says, but they're poor though, so fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus oh, it's so bad. So these I know as well, I would have done so fucking bad in my exams if this would have been a thing when I was a kid. Mm. And I feel so bad for my sister who, thankfully, uh, she passed all her exams, except for one, a maths one. So she's got to redo a maths exam. Oh, okay, yeah. So she passed all her exams except for that, and like, you know, as a family, we'll be coming together to help her with that. But fucking hell. Well, uh, to keep her encouraged, Carl, I'll tell you this. Like, What's that? Uh, so in A-levels, I did like a maths module, and it was a module that I specifically, that module I was not very good at. Yes. Um, didn't revise very well for it either, and I got an E. Okay. Um, I retook the exam and in like the, the summer. I got an E. Uh, so I retook it the next year in January again. I got an E, Oof. and then I retook it and got full marks in the last attempt. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, you know, if you retaking an exam isn't always a bad thing. Eventually, you will do good if you just apply yourself. I'm reminded, like, the, uh, this I think sums up me and just like my luck in life. Where uh, my media exam, I got a B, mm-hmm. and um, my tutor said i think you could do better Cal, if you applied yourself yeah i know you've got a good grade but there's no harm in resitting it and i think the cost was 20 quid to resit an exam uh yeah i think it was yeah you know, like 20 pounds to it's like it's not an insignificant amount of money to a student but i saw like, this could be my future i'll do this mm-hmm. and i i think at the time i got like 30 pounds a week ema so i spent basically all the money i had that week to resit my exam and i yeah. got a d I remember I did worse in the exam, and I was like, oh, I guess we'll just like use your old results. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. So I, I paid money to do shit, and I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I think that That's was. That's why I That would be so fucking harsh if it's like, oh, you did worse. I guess we'll take this grade. We've got, we've got to keep that? that one now. Oh, God, no. That happened to me when I fucking moved schools. Have you ever oh, told no. you about that? 
We can no. end on that. I, um, I moved schools when I was about 15, 16. Hmm. And because I moved schools between exam boards. Oh, no. Um, and for the most part, they can be uh, transferred. You can transfer your grades. So Americans, yeah. I'm not sure how to explain this, but um, we have like one or two exam boards and they're mostly comparable. We'll say for a few exceptions, but... But there are some like modules that are completely different. And uh, you, I had to make up all the work, but I had to make up all my work for an entire year God, in one go. And a couple of the choice things that happened to me when I moved schools were... One was, in my old school, I did um, physics, chemistry, and biology as separate um, modules. Yeah, single uh, sciences, a, yeah. With an overall science module. Um, when I moved schools, they just did combined science. So my, all of my results for biology, physics, and science didn't count. Oh, no. And because the single science one was only like half, I didn't have any science. So I had to make up on all my science for a year. Um, my drama degree, because I like doing drama, was a double degree. It was it counted for two GCSEs for somebody. I think it was like drama and performance, whereas the new school only did drama. So, and I'm not sure if this is something they told me to make me feel better or just like the way they explained it because they couldn't be asked. But when my grades were translated to the new system, they were too high because it was a double grade being transferred to a regular one. Yeah. So I couldn't take drama. So I'd lost that module entirely. And it really helped me, like, you know, make new friends when all the people in drama class, you know, the people who thought, like, I thought I'd get on best with because they enjoyed the same thing that I did, Mm -hmm. were told the new student was going to join us today, but he can't because his grades are too good. So that was really helpful. So thank you to that teacher. Um, I also did double maths. So I did maths and statistics and the other school only did maths. So I had to make one on my maths degree and then I had to make one on my history. So basically I had to make up on almost everything they'd done in a year again, even though I'd already technically done it all. Yeah. But because I'd done it all in a different thing, so I had to retake every exam uh, from the previous year while also get um, learning the stuff for the year coming up. And uh, this, as you might imagine... Um, was really stressful, and I will always be thankful to my IT teacher. Um, okay. My IT teacher was a proper don. He did not give a fuck, and he sat me down. I'll not forget it because he, he helped me out so much, and he sat me down. And he, Look, Carl, I've called your old teacher. I've been in a conversation with him. He says, you're a bright lad. He says, um, um, you're going to go far. Hmm. Here's the thing. Nothing that you've done so far um, um, is a, like, you know, comparable, so you're going to have to redo everything. And I've looked at your grades, and think, and looking at it, I could say you'd reliably be expected to get a B. Okay, so yeah. I think it was a merit. Not merit, it's like you get a merit, and then you get like a demerit. I don't know if whatever system it was, or a commendation, or whatever. It's been a, 10 years since I did this. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of a B. And okay. I was like, okay. And so here's what's going to happen. Like, You could come to my class um, you know, early for an hour every Friday, Mm-hmm. And then you could sit there and you could do the exact, you could do this work that I know you can do, and I'll grade it and you get a B and you can do it for six months and then you got to catch up on the previous six months of work you've missed doing this, yeah. or and he got this um, thick um, folder out and slid it across the desk, or you could write your name on this. This is an, a, a one from a couple of years ago that I marked as a B. Oh look, there's no name on it. I'm going to oh. turn around now. And you, I just do whatever you think is right. And he turned oh. around in his chair and I signed my name on that. And he turned around and went, congratulations, you've got a B. And he let me have that hour off every day, or every Friday, sorry, um, to study, make up my other studies. 
Oh, wow. So he's the reason that I got into college, because if it wasn't for that extra hour a week where I could just go sit in his class on my own and catch up on my work on the computer and stuff like that, I, there's yeah. no way I would be able to catch up on all the work. Fucking hell. And then Poor he guy. quit like three weeks later. <laughs> because I, I think he realised, like, I'm just going to cut this kid a break. Yeah. Because fucking hell, he's got, like, he's got to make up on every single course that he's got twice over in a year. Oh, Jesus Christ. And the the best thing that happened with that is because I did, some of the ones could not be transferred. So what I had to do instead was just do the work remotely on my own. So what they do is they sit me in a, a broom closet, a, a literal broom closet where they put a desk <laughs> and they give me the textbook they ordered or got, were given from my old school and a piece of paper and said, just do this. And that's what I did. And... That was a year of my life. And that, again, it really helped me make new friends at that school when I spent half my lessons sat on my own. Anyway, uh, my <laughs> yeah. exams were different to the exams being done at that school. And they were different in the sense that they were shorter. Right. Because my exams were an hour because I did multiple modules instead of one big module in one go for some of them. And I remember going in and I told the invigilator, look, I need to leave after an hour. And they went, no, you don't. You, you stay for as late as everyone else. And everyone else had a two-hour exam. So I finished my exam and I put my hand up. Yes, can I go? My exam's done. Your exam's not done. Stay sat down. And right. I didn't want to fucking argue because they were like, if you stand up now, you're going to be thrown out. And I'm like, okay. And about half an hour after my exam had finished, um, like the head teacher walked in, pointed directly at me, what's he doing here? And the invigilator's like, what? He's like, he's not supposed to be in here. And I, I, again, I have big props to my head because he had my fucking back. He went, he just yelled at the invigilator in front of everybody. You might have just cost him his exams. Oh, There's 150 hell. witnesses in this room who've seen him stay longer than he's supposed to. And like proper fucking chewed the, um, the invigilator out. Yeah. And promised me that, look, I know you're a good kid. I know that you didn't cheat. And I know it's not your fault that you stayed here. <laughs> and he stuck his neck out for me and like basically told the invigilator you're not fucking telling anyone this is your fault if he goes down you're going down I was like oh thank god <laughs> like because I, so much of the world at that point was trying to fuck me over and I'm glad there was at least a few people out there trying to look out for me because fucking hell I could have failed all my exams yeah if not for a couple of people of like god damn it man just cut the fucking kid a break and sometimes you just need those people to realise you do like, yeah yeah just come on He's had, he's had it tough enough. Yeah, he's having a rough enough fucking time as it is. Just give him a fucking break. And to the people out there who are listening to this who maybe are struggling or whatever, like, yeah, don't feel bad if you do need to take a break. Yeah. And if you do need to, like, you know, that um, just moment for yourself, because fucking hell, sometimes the world just loves to stomp your balls. As 2020 is all too happy to demonstrate. <laughs> and, like, I've noticed, like, I've listened to some of the old podcasts to try and find clips. Yeah. And I don't even know if I feel right putting up old clips from the podcast before we were all jaded and COVID-y. <laughs> of like, look, here's Carl and Luke's fun podcast where we make jokes. And then I go listen to the latest ones. It's like, oh God, racists are sending me fucking pictures of their own shit on Twitter. Oh, God, <laughs> like... What? And again, Lucas, imagine if when we started the podcast, I'm saying, like, fast forward to a year, we'll be talking about how literal fucking Nazis are sending me pictures of their turds. And how fucking poor kids are getting their grades downgraded. So fucking hell, we thought we were going to talk about video games. <laughs> God! Oh, God, Anything you want to... Fun, go play that. 
Oh, oh. I, yeah. So the obligatory plug section is here, and I will, uh, as always, endeavour to say, like, go watch me and Carl do stuff on like my uh, YouTube channel, Legend of Canto. You can also find me at Legend of Canto on Twitch, where mm-hmm. I stream, and I'm trying to stream a bit more often. Yes. Because like we are trying to like double down on uh, our gaming stuff because yes. you know playing games is fucking fun. Yeah, it um, is. And yeah, also you know obviously go watch us play God of War and Spider Man and Carl's gaming channel. Fuck yeah! Thank you for the plug, Lucas. But to everyone out there, have a nice day.